0: That's right, friends. Welcome into this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Nouveau from NBC5 Chicago. With me, of course, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score of the I'm Fat Podcast. And he is an author, and his new book is going to be a sequel to A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens. That's a uh, pretty ambitious project there, Jay.
1: I like your jokes. I'm not writing a book ever again. (laughs) That was really, really hard to do. So please buy it. If you see it in the store, go buy it or order it from me at madhousepod.com slash book and make it worth my while. Because that was fun fact.
0: I saw it at the Bourbonnet Barnes and Noble the other day. You
1: did. I should go sign some. I did that. I think I said this last week. I went and signed some at the Orland Park Barnes and Noble. I signed like 16 of them. So I'm sure there's a few left if you want to go try to grab one. Um they're there at the Barnes and Noble in Orland. I walked in there and I was very upset cuz I didn't see it like on the shelf with all the sports books. It's uh, like Big 50 Red Wings and there's Big 50 Bears. I'm like, what the hell? Then I walked around the corner on the on the end cap, very fancy. Me and David You, right. you were
0: just in the uh you were in the Blackhawks section at Barnes and Noble. No, it was and, like uh, the
1: it was the Notable Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're telling me about Burbank in the Orland one. Right. I was in the Nord- Notable sports books section.
0: That's one way to put it. <laughs> I guess so. That sounded mean, and it was not intended to be mean. <laughs> it's funny.
1: I like it because it's kind of true. Anyway, welcome into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We greatly appreciate you all tuning in. Uh, we are officially part of the Blue Wire Sports Podcast Network. We're very excited about that. What changes for you? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You didn't have to resubscribe or anything, but um really excited to be part of this thing. You might have seen the story that the Wynn Casino uh, in Las Vegas... Gave a whole crap ton of money to Blue Wire and they're gonna build a whole podcast studio system out there in Vegas, which is really cool. Maybe one day, James Hawks, Golden Knights, and the Blue Wire Podcast Studios. Yes, please. I that like that sounds it. like a lot of fun. But follow us on our social medias at Madhouse Pod on Twitter. We are on Instagram, Madhouse underscore pod. Look up the Madhouse Chicago hockey podcast on Facebook. We're on Patreon at Madhouse Pod and everything Madhouse Podcast lives at madhousepod.com including a link to our merchandise shop, MadhousePodMerch.com, powered by our friends at Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. Triple Threat Sports. If you can wear it, they can make it. All right, to the big story of the day, of probably this season, of probably, uh, well, you know, for a while here in Hawksland until they become contenders again. That's right, Ryan Carpenter's court, no. No, that's not what we're...
0: Almost had the hat trick last night. He was so close.
1: Almost, but this guy did something.
0: it, pulls it
1: free, it and Kane on a two-on-one break over the wing line. Kane to the left circle, pulls up, holds, fires, he scores! Number 400 for Patrick Kane! That's it. Number 400 for Patrick Kane. That audio courtesy of WGN Radio. We thank them for that. And what was really cracking me up, James, leading up to this moment... Was all the Hawks trying to force the puck to Patrick Kane? It's like, guys, it's Patrick effing Kane. The goal is coming. You don't have to force the puck to Patrick Kane. He's going to get this goal today, tomorrow, maybe in two days, but it's definitely coming, so you don't have to force it to him. But man, what a classic Patrick Kane goal number 400 was. The only thing is that we don't get Pat Foley calling it.
0: Yeah, that was kind of a bummer. The game obviously was on NBCSN last night, so we did get John Forslund calling the action. Eddie Olchek did get to uh, describe it, too. So, I mean, it's not obviously without its local charm, but... Obviously, it was kind of funny, like you mentioned, just the fact everybody was kind of trying to force him the puck. The dude went one game without a goal. Let's like not think right. that he had been stuck on 399 for weeks and uh, the pressure of it was just building a bit. No, he'd been stuck on it for like one whole game. And the Blackhawks were like, come on, Patrick, score. And it's like, dude, why don't you like focus on putting this Red Wings team away first? Like, Why don't we do that thing? Please call and them then, by like, their you...
1: proper name, the Hot Garbage Red Wings. <laughs>
0: Man, they are... They're not good, but the Blackhawks sure made them look halfway oh decent. God, uh, man. How many shots did they give up yesterday? Like 642? Uh,
1: 641, actually. Oh, I'm
0: so close. I know right our there, listeners though. are going to angrily email us like, how dare you give them one more hecky. shot? <laughs> wow, that was a lot of noise that we just made. I wonder how that's going to uh, come across on our new uh, podcast network. But anyway, uh, there's there, you're absolutely right, Jay. There was nothing... That could have been, other than maybe like a spinorama backhand, there wasn't a way that that could have been more Patrick Kane, right? He just always has that ability to either make the pass, to set up the goal for somebody else, or if he doesn't do that, he's going to just rifle a precisely fired wrist shot at the net. And that's exactly what he did. He scored. There was great rejoicing, and then they went right back to the game. They, like, gave him a little bit of, like, a mention at the TV timeout, but I thought it was hilarious how they just kind of moved on with the game. Didn't give him, you know, little stick taps on the boards, nothing like that. It was just like, oh, Patrick Kane Kane scored. Time to uh, move on with our lives. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I was wondering if they would all sort of jump off the bench, but then you're up 5-1, and that becomes kind of disrespectful. And there's no fans there, so there's no real like pomp and circumstance. It was weird. It was a weird moment, but a great one. And this leads us to what will be the bulk of our conversation today. Patrick Kane's place in hockey history, Patrick Kane's place in Blackhawk history. Which of those two angles, James, would you like to start with?
0: I think let's start with the Blackhawks history part of it, because I think that's the one that most people are kind of talking about today. And I've seen it put a million different ways. And the question ultimately just boils down to this is he the greatest Blackhawks player of all time? And I know that a lot of our listeners are probably already like up in arms about this question and already have their answers kind of lined up. But Jay Zawaski, I want to know from you, is he?
1: It all depends on how you look at greatness. Okay. If you, you know, do you say is, is team success? Is that the measure of greatness? Is individual success, the measure of greatness Patrick Kane has three Stanley Cups, and to me, that's sort of the last. Um, you know, if you're trying to make an argument against Patrick Kane, that's probably the strongest thing in his case. If we're talking about Blackhawks history, but when I look at the history of this team, I don't know if I'm ready to call him the best. Second best, yes, but when I look at everything Stan Mikita did over his career, the numbers he put up, the innovations he made what he's meant to this franchise on and off the ice forever and look those things are all in the future for Patrick Kane right we don't know if he's going to be an ambassador and a hawk for life and all those things and could Patrick Kane score another what he needs another 411 points to catch Sam Makita is that out of the question hell no it's not but I I just it's hard for me looking at the way Makita's game was and well and I didn't get to watch him play but just from everyone that talks about him just an all-around player, a scorer, a playmaker, sort of the total package, and I think that still to me gives Stan Mikita the slight edge.
0: The way I kind of have to look at it is Stan Mikita obviously played in a different era of the NHL than Patrick Kane is playing in now, and I guess the question that we kind of have to ask ourselves at least a little bit is Patrick Kane's era more difficult for a player to find offensive success than Stan Mikita's was. And I would probably have to say yes but then there's also the part of me that's like there were only six teams in the NHL when Stan Mikita was doing his thing and now Patrick Kane has 30 other teams to play against right like the quality of competition is at least a little bit diluted because of that but then obviously the rule changes and equipment changes and the fact that goalies are you know pretty good nowadays like st- you, look at it this way. Tony Esposito, right, ranked as one of the greatest Blackhawks goaltenders of all time, not even in the top ten in terms of save percentage or uh, goals against, I believe, for the Blackhawks. It's kind of wild that he's not in those categories, but it's because he played in a different era where guys just kind of scored at will. And so you do have to ask yourself, is the era that Patrick Kane is playing in a more competitive and a more difficult era for offensive players to potentially thrive in? And I think you almost have to say yes, even though there are some of those things working against it.
1: It's absolutely true that Patrick Kane is is playing in an era more difficult to to play in. You, you mentioned Tony Esposito. You're right; he is not top ten in goals against average. Uh, number ten all time for the Hawks, Nikolay Hobby Blulent. <laughs> Easy for me to say, <laughs> Nikolay Hobby Bulin with a two point eight four goals against save percentage. Wise, he is seventh in Hawks history with a point nine zero six. 0.001 percent better than jocelyn tebow so oh, yeah
0: the the venerated jocelyn tebow i apologize by the way i i had the goals against average thing right i completely screwed up save percentage. no you Sorry, didn't though you,
1: your point is correct he's seventh all time in franchise history in that number uh by the Who's way number
0: one by the way number
1: one is scott darling
0: yeah that i love that if stat. you
1: want to count that if you don't want to count that number one is Corey crawford
0: that, as he should be, honestly. And, like that yep. What a career that dude had here.
1: Uh, look, Go to Hockey Reference and just look at the Hawks crew leaders and really look at where Corey Crawford was and be like, wow, I think I did not estimate him well enough. Anyway, the point remains, when you watch those old highlights of <laughs> Stan Mikita's era and the goalies are just flailing, they're wearing like popsicle sticks for pads, yep. it, it's like, okay, it was certainly significantly easier to score in that era of the game. Uh, you could argue that teams were deeper because there were fewer. So there were a lot of guys who, you know, with only six teams, you're going to have a lot more talent. But today's athlete is so much better than it was back then. So this is the this is the eternal argument. Here's where, where I will give it to Patrick Kane. If somehow and it's possible. I don't know, man, as we're talking about it, I'm starting to change my mind
0: i don't Ooh. know Are i you don't it more towards naming him the greatest black hawk of all time
1: it's so hard to say uh, one you know 411 points away Goal. from makita
0: oh sorry yeah yeah
1: and, and it's is that attainable maybe but i i don't know if that should matter right like should that matter is is jonathan taves a better hawk than dennis Savard? That's another topic for another day, but probably, and they're not really close in points either. So there's there's so many angles to look at here. I think he is at least, I'll, I'll say this definitively, top two.
0: You think he's greater than Bobby Hall, even though Hall had 200 more goals than Kane did? I
1: do. I think Bobby Hall was a great goal scorer. There's no doubt about that. Um, I just think that Patrick Kane, for the things he's accomplished in the era he did it in, look, Bobby Hall was uh, uh, just... He was sort of the outlier in that era. Him and, and Gordy were just these huge, hulking, muscle bound, like farm strong hockey players, and they mm-hmm. they used that to really dominate the game back then. You know, so
0: Patrick Kane probably would not have thrived in that, considering he's five foot ten and weighs like hundred and eighty pounds. No, I
1: think he absolutely would have because he would have blown past everybody. And I think Patrick I'm, Kane. Is I'm a,
0: glad you acknowledged <laughs> that yeah. speed because pl- God, he's fast.
1: Kane is a lot more solid than we give him credit for, too you know, we look at him as this little guy, but he's strong on his skates. He, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm comfortable saying he's number two all time. And I think there is the potential for him to become number one. If he has two or three more seasons, like he's having right now, I think the conversation changes for sure. I'm just not ready to do it as of March 1st, 2021, just yet.
0: Yeah. I, I'm kind of in that same boat. I mean, I just, I look at the statistics, right? I look at the fact that only four Blackhawks have scored 400 or more goals. By the way, can you name the other three? Uh,
1: 400 goals. He's. You said he's the fourth Hawk to score 400 fourth, goals? Fourth
0: Blackhawk to get there.
1: Hull, Makita. Yep. And uh, Larmer?
0: It is Steve Larmer, 406. So Patrick Kane probably going to pass him for number three all time. Only three Blackhawks have more than 600 assists. It's Makita, Savard, and Kane. Kane is one of only four Blackhawks to have more than a thousand points with the team. And he's done all of this playing fewer than a thousand NHL games. He's still 400 games behind Stan Makeda. And he's about 410 points behind Stan Makeda on the all-time list. So I, th- I thought that was kind of neat that that's the case.
1: Yeah, that's cool. I, I, boy, he is one of the all-time greats. it's funny, you know, I remember one of my first like Hawks air quotes assignments as a at the score was was working at that draft when they drafted Patrick Kane. It's like you see this kid with like the messy hair and he's kind of got like the little bit of acne and you're just like, wow, you know, that you were hearing great stuff and he just looks so young and so you never would think you'd be mentioning this kid in the same breaths as Stan Makita and Bobby Hull and Dennis Savard. It's just incredible and there's so much more to come to and that's what's that's what's amazing. He is nowhere near done putting up huge numbers every single year.
0: And we keep waiting for a little bit of a drop-off too, right? Like, we're like, look, this is his, I think, 14th NHL season. He's been in the league since he was 18 years old, and he just put up the best month of his career. Like, how insane is that to think about, that Patrick Kane is still setting career highs and stuff, even at this
1: point in his career? Like, it's hard. It's really hard to wrap your head around it. Part of it is they are leaning on him more. Than ever, and I try to think of like were there times, and, and maybe some of our older listeners uh, could answer this for us, where Makita and Hull were like the only options that the Hawks had, right? Where they sort of had to do everything their themselves. Patrick Kane for the last few years has sort of been in that situation where, look, you're gonna play, you know, twenty minutes a night. You're gonna play. You're gonna be double shifted. You're gonna be out there for long shifts. You're gonna be out there with fourth liners sometimes, but because you're the only thing keeping us afloat. That's been the case for Kane for a while, and that's you know, that's playing a role too. All right, now I wanted to get to the American born thing.
0: Yeah, that's the that's the other significant thing that's always going to come up when we discuss Patrick Kane.
1: Before we do that, speaking of America, <laughs> go get some Nashville hot chicken at Fry the Coop. FryTheCoop.com. Opening so soon in Tinley Park. This month they're opening. They're already hiring. It is so close, I can almost literally taste it frythecoop.com peruse their menu check out the donut fried chicken sandwich yep those are all good words all mashed together yeah it's as good as it sounds the tenders the nashville hot chicken sandwich everything there's terrific if hot's not your thing get the country there's no heat to it at all if hot is your thing they've got you covered my friend the hot makes me hallucinate and there's two steps higher than hot so go to frythecoop.com place your order online then head to your nearest location you've got prospect heights Elmhurst, Oak Lawn, and like I said, coming soon to Tinley. They're also in West Town in the city. So, plenty of options. Frythecoop.com. Go pick up from there. Very safe pickup windows, and you will be glad you did. When you go to these places, by the way, tell them the Madhouse podcast sent you. It's very helpful for us. All right. So, Patrick Kane, as it currently stands, is seventh all time among American hockey players in points with 1,056. Behind number one, Brett Hull, Mike McDonnell, Phil Housley, Jeremy Roenick, Keith Kachuk, and Joe Mullen. Patrick Kane, unlike all these other names, has played fewer than a thousand games. Uh, And that is something. He's four games away from that, so that's coming soon. But now the question is, where does he rank in American hockey history? And Kevin Weeks from NHL Network said, when it's all said and done, Kane will be the greatest born American player last February. ESPN's John Bouttegras said when it's all said and done, Patrick Kane will be the greatest American born player in history. So James, looking at this list, where do you see Patrick Kane's place in American history? I think he's American hockey history. Sorry, (laughs) at
0: at least to me right now. Like I think he's kind of in a dead heat with Mike Medano for probably second on that list. I think he's ultimately going to like probably edges ahead of him right now. I still probably put him behind Brett Hull, but I kind of agree with, uh, John Butchegrass, that at some point he's going to be the greatest American to ever play. I mean, look what he did: first American-born player to win the Calder Trophy. He was the first American-born player to win the Hart, the first to win the Art Ross. Like, it's mind-boggling the fact that there had never been an American-born winner of those frickin' trophies until Patrick Kane came along. Like, it's just, it's so incredible to me watching the progression of his career and the fact that. It, it honestly does not seem like enough people put him in that pantheon of like great American hockey players. Everybody obviously talks about Hull and Madonna and, you know, B- Brian Leach and all these guys, Patrick Kane, when all is said and done is going to easily be up there with Hull and maybe surpass him in my mind. And the fact that he has three Stanley cups and a con Smythe to his credit. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's a pretty damn good resume to say that he's the greatest born American player right now.
1: So the split between Hull and Kane right now is three hundred and thirty-five points,
0: and it's mostly goals. Like Brett Hull had an insane amount number of goals in his career,
1: and he's Kane has played two hundred and seventy-three fewer games than than Hull. So Hull has what, like seven hundred and forty-two career goals? Seven forty-one.
0: That was close.
1: You're missing everything by one today, man. What's wrong with you? That's kind of weird. Yeah, <laughs> it is weird. Except this is an actual miss. The Red Wings did not have <laughs> six million shots on the Hawks last night. That is it. I,
0: I said 642. Don't misquote me here. Sorry.
1: Sorry about that. But I, I think looking at this thing, is he better than Joe Mullen? Yes. Keith Kachuk. Yes. Jeremy Roenick. Yes. Phil Housley. And I yes. think
0: Jeremy Roenick, for the record, would agree with that.
1: Yeah. And Mike Madonna? Yes. That You're right. The question is Brett Hall. I think... He's going to catch Brett Hall. I don't think there's any question about that. Three hundred thirty-five points, yes. And uh, when he does, then he will be. A fi- I, I think the argument's over when that happens. Over.
0: Yeah. Is but, it bad? I don't know how many Stanley Cup rings Brett Hall has.
1: I think just one. Or did you know thought, he won? He won one in Detroit too, right? I was
0: going to say I thought he won one in Detroit and one in Dallas.
1: Uh, let's see, Stanley. Uh, correct. Ninety-nine in Dallas. 0-2 in Detroit.
0: Okay. So, and and I and I would argue. Not the best player on either of those teams.
1: No. Oh, definitely not.
0: Well, let's so see. So that, that's another thing in Kane's favor.
1: Yeah, I wonder the 99 Dallas Stars. That's interesting. Let's take a look at that roster because that, that's that's kind of fun. Wasn't Joe, Joe, Joe Newendike
0: won the Con Smythe that year, didn't he?
1: I think that's, uh, I don't know. I don't want to guess incorrectly.
0: Come on, let's just guess. Throw stuff against the wall. I'm going to say
1: that he was the best player on that team.
0: You say Hall was?
1: I think so. He's better than Madano. He's better than Joe Newandike. Here's the question: Is he better than Jason Botterill?
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, what kind of stupid question of that is that? Of course he wasn't.
1: Eddie Belfour is on that team. Of course, I was going to
0: say Ed Belfour was on that team, lest we forget. By the way, Mike Madano massively outscored Hall that season, but. Hull only played 60 games, and Madano played 77. Uh,
1: you, okay, your point's right. So, Hull is a better player career-wise, but at that time, Madonna was better.
0: And Joe Neuendijk that season did have 28 goals. It's not like he was a uh, complete fluke, you know, like in the playoffs. Oh, no, that's a good point. And yes, I was correct. He did win the Conn Smythe in that series.
1: I just, I'll never like Mike Madonna because he used the Hawks as leverage.
0: Just didn't kid. everybody
1: yes so did brett hall by the way um <laughs> i was gonna say i <laughs> yeah. think brett
0: hall can easily be
1: accused of that too well you know you're smart too because oh, i might go play where my dad played here's how many okay i'm gonna play with you because you don't <laughs> suck in the blackhawks do hey at least he didn't ditch us for detroit like chris chelios did why well, you gotta do that <laughs> all had been forgiven and you had to bring it back up
0: Oh, I love just, I love <laughs> pouring more gasoline on that ever smoldering fire.
1: Oh, it is smoldering, man. I'll never, it, it still hurts. It hurts. I just can't get over that girl in my college. I wrote about this in my book, manhousepod.com slash book, her bringing me the South Town with Chris Chelios's face on it with the Red Wing logo superimposed. I'm like, why would you bring me this? Why? I don't want this. This sucks. Like
0: this is the, the greatest worst. Blackhawks of all time, and he's wearing a Red
1: Wings shirt. Like, don't do this for me. This is the worst. Like, hey, I brought you the obituary for your grandpa. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. That really warmed my heart. Her name was.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're calling you out on the podcast. I wonder if she listens.
1: I'm. I assure you, she doesn't. She might be dead. I don't know. If oh, I, oh my God,
0: I can't believe you went
1: there. <laughs> if if there was a I probably shouldn't do this, but who cares? It's been a weird day. If there was a death pool of people I went to college with, she would be on that list.
0: My God, dude. I don't know. I would just this think got that dark so well, quickly.
1: You know, there's I'll tell you some stories off the air. I'm gonna beep her name in the podcast, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Because now, now I'm having instant regrets. Someone's oh. like, hey, Jay said you're gonna die. It's happening. That'll definitely happen. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what the hell are we even doing? Right <laughs> I don't know. Now? We've definitely got some actual hockey to talk about, aside from Patrick Kane. So let's do this. We're gonna regroup. We're gonna get ourselves together, speaking to myself only, and take a break. But first, Mariskas and Crest Hill, our beloved original sponsor they've been with us since day damn one and we really really appreciate their ongoing support they're open for dining go get yourself a poor boy the seafood the chops the twice baked potato the mountain of onion rings that icelandic cod it's here for lent go get it it's amazing you'll love it go visit our friends at mariska's and crest hill 604 theater street they are family owned and operated since 1933 Go to Marishka's.com or visit Facebook.com slash Marishka's. Go get that poor boy. Go change your life at Marishka's. On the other side of this, we're going to talk about Brandon Hagel's resurgence. Not resurgence, but uh, continued growth. Continued surgence. Surgence. I like that. And uh, a very popular Hawks defenseman was sent to Rockford. uh, While a very unpopular Hawks defenseman remains. We'll tell you all about it next on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
0: Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, friends. I, I know I've mentioned this before, but with Jay Zawaski's new uh, mixing board that he has, I'm actually able to hear our like bumper music and all that. So I'm just sitting here jamming out as we prepare for the second segment. And I almost forgot, you know, where I was for a second. I just I got <laughs> lost, man. Um, this the other topic, the big topic that I think we need to discuss on this show today is the continued, as we called it, the surgence Surgence. of Brandon Hagel, who has honestly captured... And this is going to sound hyperbolic, but it's really not. He's really captured the heart of the nation, the the heart, the hearts and attention of Blackhawks nation. He really has (laughs) this dude's appeal is evident. Everybody talks about him. Everybody loves him. Every time he's on the ice, you're noticing something good that he's doing. His last, I believe it's four games. He has a goal, two assists and eight shots played 1428 yesterday. One of his highest uh, total time on ice of the season. Brandon Hagel is really coming into his own, and he's really a guy that has been, out of all of the pleasant surprises this season, and this includes Kevin Lankanen, Peece Suter, uh, Philip Kurashev, he might be the top of the list in terms of biggest surprises and
1: most pleasant surprises of this entire season. I totally agree with you. That's a really good way to put it, because all those guys you listed were sort of like, okay, this could be a guy, like, you sort of, in your mind, could get yourself to a place where they were contributing the, the the way they were, right? Or the way they are now. Hagel, we sort of joked, was like another guy on the fourth-line winger tree with the Highmore.
0: farm that we still need yeah. to make a t-shirt for.
1: With Highmore and uh, Tanner Caro and Ben Smith and all these guys who are just sort of plug-and-play. They'll give you some minutes and they'll play okay. Hagel has busted out of that mold for me and is a mm-hmm. different kind of player. And I keep comparing him to Andrew Shaw, and the goals haven't come for him yet. He got his first one. Uh, I could have scored that one because <laughs> it was wide open and that's just what he needed. But as soon as he starts converting on those goals, the sky's the limit. And look, I know Ryan Carpenter had a really great game against Detroit, scored two goals, power play, all that stuff. Hagel has earned some power play time, man. They've mm-hmm. got to give him a look out there. He is relentless. He is relentless. And not every player plays that way, but he has skill and the relentlessness and that's why you keep comparing him to Andrew Shaw, because that's the last time I saw a player like that. Who and like you could say, like maybe Brady and Matthew Kachuk play that way, but he doesn't have that kind of high end scoring that those guys have, right? And
0: certainly wasn't as hyped of a prospect as those oh, Elmer no. either.
1: No, not at all. But he doesn't have that sort of skill, but he's got the ability where you could play on a third line in a pinch, maybe a second line, if you needed a little bit of a different look. I just want to see him get some power play opportunities because we saw when Andrew Shaw went on IR um, you saw the power play sort of dip down a little bit. They were definitely mm-hmm. missing that kind of a player. That's why Carpenter is there now. I think putting Hagel there is just an obvious thing to do.
0: What role would you have Hagel play on the power play? Would you have him kind of in the cycle route on the side? Would you have him go camp out in front of the net? What would you have him do?
1: I think my initial instinct is to have him play in front, but the retrieval is so important, too right
0: the speed too. like I feel like those are really good assets out on the edge
1: yeah so I I think there's a lot of possibilities for him there do I think he could be the guy standing in front Mm -hmm. taking a beating and getting hit in the ass and scoring some goals absolutely but I think the hands to do it he he sure does and the willingness which is a huge part of it Mm -hmm. but the going and winning a puck battle in a corner is also hugely important and I think he's he excels at that so I don't know I I just give it a chance see what happens right like, the power play's been good, so I know you don't want to mess with it too much, but why not give it a look? Why not give him a chance? If a game's out of reach one way or the other, sure, see how it goes, because I really do think that his style of play fits very well for what the Hawks sort of lack on the power play. They've got the playmakers. They've got the puck-moving defensemen. They've got the snipers. They just don't have that grindy, go win a battle, go stand in front and get hit in the face with the puck and celebrate kind of a guy, and I think Hagel could fill that role very well.
0: I kind of, I was going to get into the power play stuff, but I think you articulated it in a way that, you know, pretty much like sums up the way I feel about him. And I think I kind of threw in a couple of little asides there as well. You the thing that I, really, that I really, I also wanted there, to just, dis- <laughs> Stan. Stan Bowman loves you. Oh, um, the The other thing that I think we really do need to discuss is kind of his, and I know this is going to sound weird, but just kind of his, like, future role on the team, right? When you get guys like Taves and Doc back into the mix, mm-hmm. assuming, that obviously, you get Taves back, and you're obviously going to get Doc back, and at some point, you'll have Nealander in the mix, too. <laughs> is there a chance? And, and I know it's a small chance. Do you think maybe he gets a look as a top-six winger, even with those guys all
1: back in the mix? I don't know. I don't, it's so hard to even imagine, because... You look at the roster. You're like, well, I don't want to scratch that guy. Well, I don't want to scratch that guy. But it's Taves and Doc. Like, some, someone's got to go. You know what I mean?
0: Well, well I obviously I, I kind of assume Hegel's not going to end up being a top six center. I don't think that that's uh, realistically on the table. Winger, I'm looking yeah. more. I'm looking more at that option where it's okay. You know, you know, DeBrin, Kane, and Kubalik are basically about as penciled in as top six forwards as you can possibly get. Mm-hmm. After that. You're you're looking at guys probably like Philip Kurashov. You're looking at you know if they want to make Suter a winger instead of as a center. Obviously, if you want to give Neilander another chance as maybe a top six winger, I think you do have to give Brandon Hagel a look just because. That versatility of skill set, that ability to do the little things well, the ability to retrieve the puck out of the corners, the ability to pass the puck up the boards and set up rushes. his ability to pass the puck off the boards, up to teammates, or even up to himself, is really underrated when we're discussing his skill set, and he's fast enough to go get the thing, too. Like, that tenacity and that physicality is just really backed up with a good amount of speed. And it's been something I've been pleasantly surprised by this season. I think you have to at least give him a look. And it really gives Jeremy Colladin something to think about, especially with some other really honestly talented options at that top six winger spot, including, like I said, Kurashev.
1: I keep I hate to keep saying it, but I have to keep going back to it, especially with the point you're making. That's what Andrew Shaw gave you. Was a guy who can play on all four lines effectively, right? Because of the skills he had. An average scorer, but fast for a guy with his skill set, right? And willing, and willing Mm -hmm. to go compete in battle. And Hagel has all that. Look, man, this whole year is about development, it's about analysis. What you're getting from the team in terms of competitiveness is gravy. And that could all be squashed after the next, what, 11 games against some of the best teams in the league. But every time the Hawks have played, aside from those first two, against some of the best teams in the league, they surprise us and they play well and they hang. So who knows? But to me, look, I know this team's not winning a Stanley Cup. Let me see what Hagel can do. If the top line starts slowing down one of those two, throw him up there, see what he can do. And then, look, there's a lot of questions to answer when those two guys come back, Taves and Doc. And here's the other thing. Dylan Strom is injured and his name has not come up yet.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's true.
1: He, no one's missing him.
0: Well, like, he was not playing well before he got injured. I think we can say that with a high degree of certainty. He was playing he was not playing well, he was playing pretty poorly, and I think his ice time honestly reflected that at the towards like the end of his run of healthy play.
1: Yeah, and you have to sort of wonder too, like, what's his future here? I mean, you've got to make really not a
0: huge, important part of the mix. If you're only signing him to one year, cheap deals.
1: Yeah, well he's so he's got this year and next at three. Oh yeah, I forgot it was a two year deal. Yeah, See, no, that's right. This is
0: how little I've thought about Dylan Strom.
1: But so you've got him. You've got Carpenter coming off the books in two years as well, making a million Soderbergh unrestricted after this year. He's going to be he's got it. He's going to get traded at the deadline, right? There's no way ah. they're not going to trade Soderbergh.
0: I, the only the only way I don't see it is if the the teams try to kind of lowball the Blackhawks and just say, "Hey, do you want like this uh, seventh round prospect that is never going to amount to anything?" I think the Blackhawks might go, "You know what? We're close enough to a playoff spot. We might as well keep yeah, it."
1: Maybe I don't know. I, I just it almost feels like mismanagement to not. But you're right. If it's like some something is never going to pan out, then fine.
0: I, I wouldn't take an insulting offer just to
1: take it. Sure, I got you there. But, you know, th- there are only so many spots on this team. And the-, the one that worries me is Kurashev. Like, I feel like when someone comes back healthy, that might be Jeremy Cowden's temptation would be to sit Kurashev just because he's 21. And I don't want to say he's one dimensional, but he's more offense than anything. And uh, he's he's shown to be a little bit streaky. But, man, I want these guys, like we said from day one, before we knew the Hawks were going to be competitive and fun to watch. Let these kids play. Let's see what they got. Right, figure out what you have, and I want that to be the case. And, and we talked. We started talking about earlier the defense. Well, Nicholas Bodan, who had been playing pretty well, he's the odd man out because Connor Murphy's back, and of course Connor Murphy's going to play. But at what right. point? At what point does Jeremy Cowan look at Nikita Zadorov and say, "Well, you know what? Your inconsistency is enough. Like, either figure it out, or you're going to sit because." Look, I'm more patient with him than most Blackhawks fans. But man, I thought Hawks fans were going to love him because of his physicality. Hawks fans hate him. <laughs> hate him. And I know he hasn't been great. There's no doubt about that. And there's been moments where you're like, what the F are you doing? Like, what was that? But then there have Are been you so- talking
0: about the first goal against Detroit last year?
1: Sure. Pick, take a pick. <laughs> pick. Pick a moment, and that's the one I'm talking about. There's so many of them. And it's just like. You see these and look, Zadorov's twenty five. There's still room for growth. We talked about this last week when I sort of when I compared his career arc to Connor Murphy, and I'm not giving up on him. But it just sucks to see young guys being sent down so these older guys can play. And look, like I said, Murphy twenty seven he's gonna play. He's your best overall defender. But Calvin Dehan, I've kind of seen enough, man. Early this year he was sort of doing it on Guile and, and Grit, but he's been really bad lately really bad lately
0: I, I do recall you uh defending him when I was kind of calling him out a little bit earlier this season not uh obviously do like a whole like hey I told you so maybe I jumped the gun just a little bit but I do think we're starting to see some uh chickens come home to roost with in terms of just his kind of lack of foot speed and the fact that I don't think he's making necessarily the best decisions all the time when he's on the ice
1: no and it, it just it seems like the game is kind of moving too quickly for him sometimes. And that's, you know, part of that. And the guys we're mentioning, Dehan and Zadorov, are the Hawks' two slowest defensemen. And this system, this much maligned Jeremy Cowan defensive man to man system, where we saw uh, last night Nikita Zadorov on his man at the right point while Sam Gagne was standing alone in the slot, no one near him. That that doesn't suit this roster, and that's the frustration I have with Cowan. I, I'm very pleased that he's gotten some really solid results from a team he probably shouldn't be getting results from. That's yeah. great, and he deserves credit for that. But this defensive system just doesn't work with this roster. It just doesn't. And um, I think Zadorov and Dahan, the two guys who were most frustrated with the most often, it makes the most sense that they would struggle the most with this system.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, what does this system require above all else? Speed. It, it requires speed. The fact that you have to have like your defenseman going up to the blue line and forwards pulling back to backfill those positions. The Blackhawks, especially on the blue line, just don't have that speed. You really think Duncan Keith is a fast enough player to do that? He's brilliant. Duncan Keith's having a really solid season, I think. He is not fast enough to do it. You look at Nikita Zadorov. LOL. There is no way he's fast enough to do it. And his physicality is not making up for it. And he's trying to use it to make up for it. And it's not working. It hasn't worked all season. It's been a constant source of annoyance and chagrin for Blackhawks fans. He has been a disappointment to me, and it's not just because they traded Brandon Saad for him. It's because he doesn't fit. He's not doing... He's Obviously, the only thing he's doing that was advertised is he is hitting the living piss out of anybody that comes (laughs) near him. The problem is you can very easily evade him. And that kind of negates the whole me punch you face now kind of yeah. mentality that Zadorov has. I will say right now, I would rather see Nicholas Bodan on the ice than Zadorov because I think that you're going to get something out of Bodan. If he's here, you're going to be able to develop him. And I, To a degree, I get why the Blackhawks sent him down. Sure, if he's not gonna play. Rockford had a lot of games coming up. You can play him in a lot of different roles, get him some experience. It's kind of the same things we were saying with Adam Boquist before the season started, Mm -hmm. that the Blackhawks could have potentially had him start the season in Rockford to kind of get those experiences. I'm okay with it, but at some point you do have to wave the white flag a little bit and say, Enough's enough. Like Zadorov doesn't fit the system. It's like we get it. Like you're decent at, you know, beating people up, but there's not much else that you're decent at. And I do love, by the way, we're talking about this the night after Zadorov scored his first goal yeah. of the season. It's
1: a nice shot, by the way.
0: It was a nice shot. I will give him credit. When did Thomas Grice start to suck?
1: Well, screw that. Because he
0: was bad last <laughs> he night. He was real bad. <laughs> that was like the seventh goal that he gave up. It was just like the culmination of it. And you're just like dude, are you okay? Like, no. do you need a hug right now? And then he broke his stick over the uh, crossbar and then nobody wanted to hug him after that. <laughs>
1: Poor Thomas Christ. <laughs> hey, you know who's been pretty good lately, by the way? Boquist. I've sort of liked the way he's played since he's come back. I know we talked about this a little bit last time, but just the uh, a little more confidence with the puck, a little more mm-hmm. swagger in his play where he's insti- uh, initiating offense more than he was before uh, he caught the old COVID there. played
0: I, a lot with uh, Calvin DeHaan last night. I do kind of like that. Pair. I like the Keith Mitchell pairing, and I do like the DeHaan-Boquist pairing. I think those have been working out relatively well. Well, we have to like kind of qualify this a little <laughs> bit and say the Blackhawks are still getting out-possessed horribly. horribly yeah. But those, those pairings work at least a little bit.
1: Look, they're going to get out-possessed most nights. It's a talent thing. It's a system thing. It's all those things. It's going to happen. But what's so funny is you look at the possession chart from Saturday where the Hawks lost, and the Hawks have a huge possession advantage. Huge. And And then you look at last night's game where the Hawks kicked the crap out of the Red Wings, and the possession... Chart flows in Detroit's favor hugely
0: do you know who the you know the only Blackhawks player above fifty percent course he was yesterday?
1: Oh God, hmm, it's gonna be someone random, Yanmark yeah, it was Nikita Zadorov, oh, and you want to trade him. <laughs> Guy,
0: he was at 52.78 percent, and then Calvin or Connor Murphy was at 50 percent even. No other Blackhawks player was at 50 or better, other than those two.
1: I just don't get how this team can compete with Carolina and other good teams, and then the Red Wings come and they forget how to play hockey.
0: Is it a matter of playing down to your competition? Do you think? Can the Hawks do that? <laughs> what other explanation I do you want me to try to throw at you? I don't know. What else makes sense? They played Dallas and Carolina super tough, and then they play Detroit like absolute garbage.
1: Maybe they just, I don't know. It, it, it would surprise me if the Hawks are like, we're going to kick the crap out of these guys. We're the 2021 Blackhawks.
0: Jay Zawoski, I don't know what the hell you're like. What else are we supposed to know? I don't know.
1: That might be it. I don't know. Or maybe Jeff Blashold just has Jeremy Cowan's number. I don't think that dastardly Jeff Blaschel. <laughs> it's, just, it's just weird. It's I mean, that, that's that got to be part of it, because then last night they're like, well, OK, we're going to beat you. But then they still got out possessed like crazy last night. It was it's the weirdest thing with Detroit and the Hawks this year, because even the two games they took the other week. They had no business winning either of those games.
0: No, that was those were both like basically goaltending victories. Yeah. And not that last night wasn't. Lankin had made what? 46 saves last night?
1: I thought it was six hundred and what? Yes.
0: Six You corrected me.
1: <laughs> I forgot. You know what you shouldn't forget? Our friends at Dr. Squatch, Natural Soap Company. That's right. The soap, the hair care kits, the deodorant, the toothpaste. The beard oil, everything that goes on your skin and makes you smell good, you can get at DrSquatch.com, and they do it better than anyone. New scents coming out all the time. They've got the new Fresh Falls shampoo and conditioner line. I'm really excited to try that out. New deodorant scents, new soap scents happen all the time. Go to DrSquatch.com. Check out everything they have to offer. When you're ready to check out, use that promo code MADHOUSE20. You'll save 20% on your order and support the podcast at the same time which we always greatly appreciate. So, again, drsquatch.com if it's your first time, take that squatch quiz on the top right corner of the page. That will help you sort of steer your purchase a little bit, find out what's best for you. And again, at checkout, use that promo code madhouse20 to save. Um but yeah, oh we you know what we should mention before we wrap up too. Uh Malcolm Subban getting two consecutive starts. Uh second of those starts, not so great. Um no. But I I like that now we're, you know, I like that he got back-to-back starts. I like the thought process from Jeremy Colleton there. Sure, it's Um, all
0: worked in terms of sparking Kevin in to
1: begin. Well, and it also, we're trying to establish, like, okay, what is the real rotation here? Right, like, is Malcolm Subban capable of being the everyday guy? Because we went over it last week. The last, aside from his first two starts, he's been really, really good. And then all of a sudden sort of crash back to Earth. And it doesn't I think I don't think one game indicates anything. But I think we're starting to get the feel for the Lankinen Suban split. Yeah. And that, and that's a good that's a good question to answer. So and
0: you're going to have three go- you're going to have three games in 4 days coming up against the Lightning. So I guarantee you are going to see at least one Malcolm Subban start on Friday or probably on Friday I would imagine. I think that Lankinen gets the net on Thursday and then Subban probably gets it on Friday. But I completely agree with you. The first game of the two that he played, man did he look good in that game. I thought that his Rebound control was slightly better. That's still probably his big Achilles heel, but his he didn't seem as panicked. He didn't seem as like just kind of flopping all over the place like a uh, Nashville Predators, you know, fish on ice kind of mm. dude. He looked like he knew what he was doing, and I sensed more confidence in him in that game. Then against the Red Wings, it kind of went away a little bit. But the like like you said, the balance of play in that game really did favor the Blackhawks. It just was a really weird game overall. I don't the, really yeah. they should I don't have know won how to feel about that well,
1: one. Bernier was incredible, and Subban was, was average. Much
0: better than that Thomas Grease
1: for <laughs> And that was the difference. The difference was that that was a goalie win for Detroit, and that was a, ho- a goalie loss for the Hawks. And when those things two combine, you're guaranteed a loss. So um, I, I, the Hawks did deserve to win that first game. That's the best they've looked against Detroit all year, I think.
0: I would agree with that. And it's kind of funny that they've already played six games against Detroit. It's so wild, man.
1: Yeah, I know. And I, I love it. I'm just so glad, even if it's temporary, that they're back in a Hawks division. Because I, I do miss that rivalry. By the way, the Hawks put up a Instagram video like promoting the Hawks and Red Wings rivalry throughout history. Go find it and look for the Tony Amante goal in that montage Oh, where he's heading, cutting to the net on the backhand, then stops in a dime, pulls it forehand, and tucks it. I think it was Osgood. If you weren't around for the Tony Amante era, he made that goal famous. He called it the bean pot. Just an awesome goal. He used that move all the time, and it would bring all 4,000 of us out of our seats every time he did it.
0: (laughs) just remember these good feelings because uh the lightning are in town for three starting on thursday
1: thoughts and prayers thoughts and prayers we'll be with you after one or two or maybe all of them who knows let's see what the weekend brings
0: maybe we'll do a hot mic on friday who the hell knows Mm,
1: interesting interesting i will look into that well thanks for joining us as always on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast we greatly appreciate it james and i will be back this weekend in many ways, shapes and forms so stick to our twitter account at Madhouse Pod for all the latest info. Until next time, for my partner, James DeVoe, my name's Jay Zawoski. This has been the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Mariska's and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch, and by
0: Fry the Coop.